Hello, everyone. Max Forte here with another podcast chat episode. Today, we're going to be talking with Blocky, which is an American brand. Um, I would love for you guys to discover them. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to get into it with Temi and Tyler, which are the Blocky founders. And of course, Elsie will be joining us in, in this conversation, which we're going to be talking about this beautiful brand that I came to discover earlier this year. And I'm glad to share with you today on this episode. Welcome, uh, Blocky team. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great to be here. Thanks, Max. So when we look at the brand, and I'm, I want to start, well, let's I'll go back a little bit, because I think you said the brand hails back from the 1800s. So take us through the history of the brand. Should, should, should we learn you know, what the brand is about? And you know, what, what was the inspiration behind these juices? Let's go back ways, if, if we can, please. Anyone can, can take over. Right. Um, so the Blockies immigrated in 1850. And they landed near Chicago. And then several of the kids uh, ended up coming down to Chicago, which was really swampland, you know, at the time, right? They were still building out the lakefront and uh, that type of thing. But everybody knew it was going to boom, and it really did boom. Um, and so Chicago was a great place to start a business because there were a lot of firsts going on there at the time. And um, there were actually during this period, more ships coming into port there than in New York, if you can believe it. I mean, it was really bustling and it was coming up. Um, but everything was also new. I mean, if you wanted to start a perfumery, uh, you had to build the glass factory too. Um, so this was really the beginning of the era of the manufacturing perfumer, uh, the business-minded perfumer, the industrial perfumer, uh, that kind of thing. And John Blocky was in there. Um, he had a lot of rich family heritage to draw on from his European roots. Um, he fell in love with ingredients and began his first in 1865 by doing a lot of importing. He was always blending his own perfumes and selling those out of his own shop. He opened the first per perfume shop in Chicago um, and he would sell his own perfumes and other things. Um, but he also imported ingredients, and that's where he really fell in love. Um, I think a lot of fragrance enthusiasts can understand that once you begin sampling raw materials, you just absolutely fall in love. Um, so he he was doing a little bit of um, also wholesaling on the drug side too, but he phased that out as fast as he could to really launch the perfumery. Um, and when he did that, he became what was known as a manufacturing perfumer. And he was one of the founding members of the um, Manufacturing Perfumers of America, which was based in New York. Um, and he was an officer and founder in that organization. And um, they really were starting to do, a, they laid the foundation for what came next. And I think a lot of people have a misconception that prior to Elizabeth Arden and Estee Lauder, it was all pharmacy um, and pharmacists making fragrance based on formula books and this kind of thing. But these manufacturing perfumers really put in the groundwork that enabled the larger industry to, to boom in the 30s. Um, so that's why sort of paved the way. Yeah, they really did. And, you know, um, John was a perfumer in the sense we think of today, in the modern sense. I mean, he was formulating for himself. He was also formulating for other brands. In fact, it's really hard for us to get 
We know of two other brands that he was one, he was an in-house perfumer for, for like 30 years. And he did all their manufacturing as well because he owned the facilities and, and the manufacturing. So it's actually been kind of hard for us to get a handle on what he really is responsible for creating because the catalog's pretty huge. Um, and it went into toiletries and the early hygienic cosmetics and things like that as well. So, so I think it's safe to say that uh, Blocky and essentially is basically the first U.S. niche brand, right? <laughs> I think so. I, I love that. And I think, um, you know, one unique thing about Blocky was a lot of those early brands churned through pretty fast. They came and went or a lot of them got sold um, certainly a lot of the ingredients companies that he used to work with wholesaling got rolled into things that are now Semrise and IFF, right? But um, he, um, it was family owned always. Um, and in fact, it was a, it was a big deal. Um, so from 1865 to kind of 1940, uh, it was family owned that entire time. There were multiple family members working in the perfumery. Um, as well as quite a few other people. I mean, even in-laws were working, you know, so it was really a family-based um, perfumery that ended up having global distribution, but still behaved um, in a very niche way and that it was family controlled and he never let that go. Um, until the very end, the uh, daughter who was running it after the original founder died. Um, she couldn't bear to close it down herself and there were no more family members um, to run it. So she sold it to a family friend that I think they kind of lost, launched a line of what were called icicle colognes into like the forties and early fifties. And then, and then they eventually closed it down for her, but she couldn't do it herself. You know, it was too personal. <laughs> and, it, and it really was at a time when, you know, it was the, the golden age of perfumery internationally, but especially in the U S and so uh, definitely one of the first niche brands. There were a few others that you see in all the advertisements next to the Cody's and their Guerlain's and, and, and it was blocky and you'd see Hudnut and Rick Hudnut Secker too. York, so right, those yeah. Hudnut and Rick, Rick Secker are a couple of other, uh, the brands that you'd see mixed in with, with, uh, with, with the, the European brands. Now, is there an availability of old formulas or creations from back in the 1800s, early 1900s, or even in the 40s? Is there anything available that we could try or maybe even recreate uh, from what was made? Oh, yeah, yeah. we could. Wow. We have the ju we have bottles with juice. We haven't done it. Um, and it is... That was intentional. Right. Yeah. That was yeah. intentional. And we can but, talk about how we approached the relaunch. But... Um, we do. We have them. We haven't opened them. And and part of the reason, though, too, is well, they're very some. precious to us. Uh, yeah, we've opened some we've and opened smelled. Some. And boy, those yeah. yeah, those base notes stick. They stick for yep. hundreds of years. Yep. Oh, yeah. So um, it's real moss. Yeah, you yes. can you can yeah. smell it in there. Yeah. So it's uh, some intense stuff. But, um, you know, we could. We have not. We just didn't think at the beginning it just wasn't something we wanted to do. We didn't think our customer would be interested in that but we now we're starting to get a lot of questions so i wouldn't rule it out um but those bottles with that juice are pretty precious and you only want to open them so many times you know <laughs> and and it's and it's sort of which ones to open to so at the time you know blocky was doing what 
everybody in France was doing too, which means that a lot of it was still bouquet this and bouquet that and empress this and empress that. And a lot of those were solo floors and were still focused on the natural scent of the flower. I mean, there were carnations and roses and things like that, but it was at a time and John was very in touch with this. The, the first synthetics, as we could talk about, had started to come out. And so they were starting to be mixed in. And you see them in the blocky names of the fragrances as they evolve. And they so they get more abstract. Got, right. They get a little bit more abstract. So Sanrovia, which of course, you know, we've we've relaunched in our own vision, um, Saharit, um, there was a blocky's ideal. And so some of these things start to get mixed in. And it was exactly what was going on in France at the time. You know, so so there was definitely um some parallel. But 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 he was definitely one of the first niche. We niche actually brands, recently say. met um, Cody's granddaughter, great granddaughter, yeah, Veronique. Um, Veronique, and that was really really fun um, to get um, the two of them together and talking about this kind of common era uh, that their family perfumers uh, were were in. Yeah, they so. they. John and and Francois Cody died the same year. So we were talking about yeah. did, did they overlap <laughs> at any of these meetings in New York? Because obviously Cody was over here in a yeah. in a major way. So anyway, there there's a lot of fun history there. Um and, and a lot of fun history about the ingredients too, which it'll be fun to get into too. And it's I think what's so fascinating is all of that conversation ties into what Tammy and Tyler have tried to do. This is not the sort of like perfume brand you open the antique cabinets for. It's about the legacy of yeah. what they're doing. Everything is informed by the past, but inspired by, by ideals. The, the blocky ideal, I think the perfume translates also to what they're doing. Right. And the one thing I don't even know if we could replicate, and what so fascinated me when I saw the vintage bottles, is John Blocky found a way to put a real flower into all of his fragrances. And he was known, Tammy can correct me, as, as the flower in the bottle perfumer. So yeah. we get these bottles that are 70 80 years old that still have this perfect rose in them perfectly preserved rose and it's like that scene from national treasure where they've stolen the declaration of independence and they're unrolling it you're just being as careful as possible because you don't want to mess anything up i know it's like it's like it's like the indiana jones moment this belongs in a museum museum. yes exactly exactly yeah. yeah, and and it was actually patented in 1907, and and John and his son Frederick uh, and his daughter and 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 all the family had had um, unique personalities, and and they loved the innovation and the creativity at the time a little bit uh, beyond what uh, a lot of other brands uh, were doing, and so the patent from 1907 is fun. It, it, yeah, and and that was probably I would say that was his most widely distributed line and and once you see it it's hard to even grasp how at that time they were distributing that globally and we we um have an ad that was in the buddhist annual from british ceylon now sri lanka so we know there was a distributor there we've seen the ads we've there was a manufacturing facility in canada because there were it was all through the u.s san francisco new york chicago and and i think to get that flower in the bottle. I mean, that had to be manufactured at, and at distributed pretty yeah. close to each other. Like you weren't yeah. flying this around the globe. Right. So, um, it was a different kind of thing. Um, and it was certainly became the most popular, um, part of the line. There were other perfumes that did not have flowers in the bottle. Um, and then the flower in the bottle also worked itself out. It became, he licensed it. Um, and so he would partner, he had a business manager, Mrs. Van Arsdale, 
And she was in charge of opening or working with all these independent store owners across the U.S. who would open flower in the bottle perfume shops. So that was part of the deal. I want to go through the portfolio real quickly, but before we do that, because I think everything's cyclical. So even going back, and I would love for you guys to bring some of these older bottles that we can showcase at Scent Explorer so people can look at them and have this nostalgic feeling of things of old. And I think it's coming back. I do feel like Chipras and Fougeres and these bold and green. And I think it's definitely coming back very, very strongly. And I also want to touch upon the noses and the perfumers that Blocky works with. And then I want to talk about with Elsie James, how she fell in love with the brand and how did you guys connect and became this unity? Sure. Um, so I guess where do you where should we start so, in that? The- so I, I actually have a, a way of starting on that okay. because because it's a little bit more complicated for us because of the way we came uh, to the to all of this. Um, so we're talking about you know the early early history, but I think a little bit of how we came to this might be helpful in terms of. Uh, so I'm going to step back a little bit, but not all the way back. Um, not 1865, right? Not 1865, <laughs> but actually like uh, 2003 ish. Um, at, at the time, um, we were so you know roughly 20 years ago, we were um, wholesaling uh, essential oils and uh, floral waters from Bulgaria. Bulgaria had just uh, privatized. Actually, the there there was still a sort of a quasi governmental entity that owned most of the distilleries and the fields and everything called Bulgaria. Bulgarska Rosa. Um, yeah. And, and so we had some connections and, and we started um, wholesaling and most of it was centered around um, the Rosa Damasena, you know, the Valley of Roses and Kazanlak. And we kind of fell in love with that. Um, and, and, you know, in fact, um, and, and there were, there were others too. I mean, Bulgaria grows lavender. And so we had lavender oils that we were wholesaling and clary sage, and we could go on. We really fell in love with the rose. Uh, in fact, so much so that we started distilling rose water and not at the time, a lot of people were, a lot of vendors were combining the oil and water to make rose water, but the real way you make rose water is actually direct distillation. And so we were doing that. So we started selling uh, rose water so, actually direct and it was just beautiful. So beautiful. Um, so good for your skin. I miss yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and eventually we started working with a private vendor who had broken off from this larger company um, and, and working with him. And we did that for a while. And eventually he said, you know, uh, we have a perfumer who can actually blend and we've always been, you know, I've always been fascinated by the natural materials and Tammy has too. And then the blending and what happens in the blending and the new creations. Um, and so, um, he had his perfumer create a couple of mods for us. And I remember those mods. We actually still have them. And one was just a powder bomb. Of, it was just, it was way too much, but the other one, uh, was good. It wasn't a finished product, but it was amazing. And it was rich and the Rosa Damasena just blossomed. It gave in you there. a glimpse of the possibilities. Right? Exactly. And so at that point we decided to go in a different direction, but we said at some point we have to relaunch the blocky perfumery. Um, and so then you jump forward to 2014 when I had been talking about this so much, Tammy finally said, just get on a plane and go to the American society perfumers event in, in New York. Just go meet people, see what happens. And so, and so, and so I did. And, and, um, and that, and that started a new chapter for us. Um, in fact, um, I remember one of the first, 
people I talked to at that event was creating, he had a PhD in chemistry and they were creating a new synthetic grapefruit. Nucatone. Um, Nucatone. Yep. It was Nucatone. Um, and it was just fantastic. And, and, and it, it was the most amazing. It smelled like somebody just cut a fresh grapefruit and was squeezing it directly under your nose. And, and it was that inspiration that caused us to add it to this grand affair On rather than just keep bergamot. Traditional bergamot, bergamot mix up there. So once we finally got, yes. So yeah. that has, that has <laughs> the grapefruit and that was inspired by the, the story. Um, there's bergamot in there too, but that was our way of modernizing something that would otherwise be a little, a little more vintage. Um, and then we started looking around for fragrance houses and, and our, when we started looking at fragrance houses, we didn't necessarily start with perfumers who we were looking for. We were looking for fragrance houses that had the most amazing materials and were willing and to be generous with them. And, and we wanted a really good relationship where we could learn and work and, and be involved, be involved in the process, which is a small, despite our history, we're a small brand when we relaunch. Right. And so that's a really tough, thing to get. And I'm not going to go too far into it, but a lot of the houses are kind of like, you don't really get to be that as involved as people think you'd like to um, be. that you'd like to be. And right. so that was a really, that was a deal killer for us. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, the fragrance house that we ended up working with is also family owned. Um, and they have amazing natural materials from beautiful. all over the world and they will send us whatever we want. They've been absolutely generous and we're very involved in the process and then we work with them on, you know, the, the perfumers that they have. And mm-hmm. the perfumers are, are sometimes a little bit more up and coming and, um, um, and, and have a lot of experience in different areas. And, and so we sort of have come to this from, from the ingredient from standpoint the ingredient uh, a little bit the rather than directly to the perfumer than, um, because yeah. of our, our past with uh, wholesaling and raw materials. So, yeah. so that's a little bit of how how, how we, we got to that point. And then, you know, the perfumers, I mean, we could talk about each one if, if, if you have, of course, of course yeah. we'll, we'll dissect the, the brand, the eight fragrances in the portfolio currently, but just, can we give them props for this very accommodating and generous uh, flavors company that we work with, or we can't, um, we're not at liberty to talk about them. I'm sure yeah. we've mentioned them and I, they do tend to like to stay um, quiet. They do a lot of B2B, but um, right. it's Berger. Okay. Uh, which is in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. Very they're, nice. they're, they're fantastic. fantastic. Um, their history doesn't go quite as far back as ours. You know, it goes to the 30s, but still, again, a family owned fragrance house. So when we met, I think we just kind of got each other, you know, and B and B. I, I, it just worked. It just and- everything synced. And they're so uh, generous with us that, um, yeah, we couldn't ask for more. You know, yeah. we, we would bond over uh, cedar from Texas and vetiver from Haiti, which I absolutely love and Swiss cognac from the new Swiss company that they had just purchased. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And you take those amazing materials and, and you give it to uh, a talented perfumer and you get blocky. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, like you said, I think that synergy, that affinity just became innate to both of you because I think you both had the same visions and, and, and goals and aspirations. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, Elsie, yeah. take us through your passion with Blocky. How did it all begin? How did you find out about them and how did this uh, you know, camaraderie start? Right. Okay. So we're going from uh, a storied, you know, legacy perfume house to TikTok. 
that is where <laughs> I spend most of my time haunting uh, the, the fume heads of the internet. And it actually, uh, I came to know the brand through the daughter of one of the perfumers, Lionel Nesbitt, who's worked on several of the fragrances, is, is one of the few formally trained black perfumers working in the industry. I was doing oh. a series talking about how multicultural niche perfuming has become, how it is really no longer just a sea of the same people, which is amazing. And Lionel's daughter commented and said, hey, this is my dad. He's really cool. And I went, oh, that's, that's amazing. Uh, Tammy sent me a message and said, thank you for you know, talking about the brand. Could we send you some, some samples? I said, that would be delightful. Thank yeah, you. I said, you want to smell his work? And I did. Way, the serendipity here, because I had literally just, uh, <laughs> one, of my, one of our guys had been like, you have to get on TikTok. So I had literally just gotten on TikTok and was starting to surf around. I'd maybe been looking around for like a couple of weeks. And, <laughs> and there's Elsie and Lionel's daughter. And we just bumped right into each other and uh, hit it off. So it's great. So it was me, meant to be. It yeah. was. I, I got a travel size of Esprit d'Amour. I, I had been in a trend of smelling things that were somewhat minimalist and I think a touch austere. They were quite light. They were sort of more like trio of notes. They didn't have the same kind of complexity that some, something I think I was craving. Esprit d'Amour, just, it's like putting on chiffon. I wore it for my bachelorette. I wore it the night before my wedding. And the, the sampler was, you know, I had about that much left of it. And I did something at the time I rarely did, which was show my face to the camera and rave about something. Um, I, to my delight, quite a few folks seem to agree. And then I get a call from her a few days later going respectfully, what have you done? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Which was great. And so I don't think um, we ever stopped talking from no. that point. These are, wow. these are, these are the kind of people that I say as an adult, I'd like to be when I grow up. Oh. <laughs> well, and, and, and it's funny. I mean, just, you know, Lionel is, we talked to Lionel at the uh, world perfumery Congress last summer. And, and we've said, you know, Lionel, I mean, you need to do a podcast. You need to, get out there. And he's, he's so humble. He's, and uh, He's a fantastic person. And he was just like, no, he's all, if, if, if perfumers are both chemists and artists, he is right on the chemist side. Like he loves the chemistry. He's a chemistry nerd and that's where he's happy being. Uh, we've tried to get him out in the, boy, does he connect with people limelight a little bit? Yes. But he's super personable. Um, in person, but he's he's he likes to stay. He seems to like to stay behind the scenes. Maybe one of these days we can coax him out. But <laughs> yeah, I would love to meet him. We can do an Instagram live, all of us, all, all four of us, uh, and, yeah. and adding the fifth element being him. And I'd love for some of these perfumers, if possible, to come to uh, to Scent Explore and to meet the folks mm -hmm. and to talk about their creations. You can do like mini little presentations within your space. I think that would be really uh, riveting. But let's delve into the uh, the portfolio of the creations because I think uh, the folks here listening to this podcast are dying to, to find more about the, the, the creations themselves. Um, let's go back to 2014 slash 2015 when the first one, uh, what was the first creation and why? Take us through the steps of how it all became what it is today. Do you want me to start there? Do you want Right. Well, so as part of this um, meeting, American Society of Perfumers and uh, Berger coming together, uh, we also met up with Kevin Verspor, who became our first perfumer, which was really perfect because Kevin is so well-versed in vintage perfumes. He can recreate just about anyone from a sniff. 
Um, he's <laughs> he knows them that well, um, and he's a great teacher um, as well. And so uh, we we got together with him and we started brainstorming the first three. And I'm going to let Tyler go into the actual fragrance. Um, the there were three in the beginning: four walks, this grand affair, and in every season, four walks was actually the first creation. Um, and by the way, I don't mean to cut you, but already cutting you, I apologize. The brand is split into two collections, right? You have the Emma collection and right. the Heritage collection. Okay. Yes. And that's where I was about to go is that, you know, it was interesting. Um, we really always wanted to approach our brand through a contemporary lens, even though we were, were vent neo-vintage, I guess I would say. Um, and so it never really... <laughs> never really occurred to us to recreate the old perfumes, which sounds silly today, but put yourself back around this time. And you know, the type of niche brands that we're launching. And we just really felt like the, the, the type of fragrance profile Elsie was just talking about, right. was, was hitting it hard right then. It was like, go, everybody wanted these more minimalist styles. Um, and so we didn't really think bringing back vintage fragrances or even using the old names, it didn't occur to us. And like she said, we've always wanted to celebrate not hero worship John Blocky as much as I adore him. Um, but look at the whole family that was involved, the whole story, the legacy of the family and what the values were important to them, for, yeah. what they stood for as a family of perfumery. Um, and so we started with Emma Blocky's memoir. We found her memoir and it was such a beautiful memoir that had so many, it just gave you pictures of Pomerania, which is where she was from um, and her childhood in Pomerania. And so we decided to use her memoir and then we actually took excerpts from the memoir and we um, created a fragrance around the, that memoir story and we actually pulled the name of the fragrance directly out of words from the memoir. So that's how we got to the first three and then four walks. Yeah. Yeah. And actually the memoir, um, the, the, she, she moved, you know, immigrated to the United States. Um, and sometimes in this memoir, she would compare experiences in the United States and people and the culture to what was happening in Pomerania. Um, and so this grand affair is, is a passage that compares um, this celebration in Pomerania to the culture that she's experiencing in America. So it was sort of a perfect tie. But, um, but in terms of the fragrances, um, I could talk about this for a long time. So to try to <laughs> summarize, so, so I think the first one, uh, Four Walks, and you know, it's a woody violet. Um, that's as close as any of our fragrances are to sort of uh, the idea of a solar floor. Um, I mean, it's, it's the, the, the violet elements are there from top to middle. Um, there's orris in the base, which makes it very earthy, but again, going back to a desire for Neo, uh, not, not necessarily vintage. We with Kevin really started play to playing around with what we could do with the top notes. And we had gone through an experience at the time where a hailstorm uh, that had just shredded all the new right. leaves and grass and 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 the 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 petrichor that you got from that experience was was very Ice. minty, yeah, just icy minty. And so we said, well, what if we did a violent a, a violet violent <laughs> the, the hailstorm was violent <laughs> um, a, a, a violet 
um, but gave it sort of a crisp, cool, minty top. And so we pushed that with, with, a, with a minty top and it just, it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And that's what you get at the very beginning of the fragrance. Um, but, but we focused on violet because um, Blocky in its early years had like seven different fr- violet fragrances. And so that was, you know, in, in, our, in our effort to be inspired but not copy the past, we were inspired by the number of violet fragrances that, that Blocky had done in the beginning. And so that's, that's where we started. Um, and ours is very earthy because, I mean, we wanted to modernize it and make it neo-vintage, but the earthiness comes from the memoir passage. We really wanted, she's talking about how they would, um, you know, in the spring, they would go out into the forests and gather greens, and then they'd wreathe the entire house with these fresh greens in the spring. Um, and so we wanted to kind of capture that earthiness of, you know, a warm house and a cool forest kind of juxtaposed there. Um, so. And then finish it off with the, yeah, the earthiness and, yeah. and a little bit of a woody. And leveraging Berger's ingredients. I mean, one right, of their best is ingredients a is a mint. Um, so we want to, again, use use what they're the really good at materials. and the best of what they have to offer us. And yeah. the result for Four Walks is a violet that, is very unisex, which I think can be quite rare. I mean, anybody can wear anything they yes. want, right? But lots of violets can get a little, a little sweet, a little powdery. Yes. This yes. works on any gender. It's outstanding. Yeah. Well, thank you. And in the and 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 it avoids too much of a candied violet too. I mean, there's a little bit of that. You just can't avoid that a little bit. But it definitely is a more crisp, woody, earthy violet so so that was the first one and then you know this grand affair i mean i think really with this grand affair we started with that memoir passage and wanted to create a fragrance uh again inspired by the past but not copying it and something that would really give an olfactive impression of that once in a lifetime event and so that's really where we started there i mean the ingredients that are fun there we've talked about the grapefruit um and the grapefruit and the bergamot I think blend really well in, in the top and it gives it sort of a distinct opening. Um, and then we had a lot of fun with the Davana uh, in there. Um, Davana, you know, is, is, is sort of a rich, almost plum like uh, olfactive impression. Um, but, but you don't get the plum in there. You, you just get sort of a, a, a rich, warm um, impression. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the amber and the vanilla and the musk and the bases just give it that rich sort of once in a lifetime experience. I love this grand affair. Um, it's fantastic. And there's, and there's some woody elements down there too. So, so that's, that's a little bit, uh, of, of this grand affair. And this grand affair Um, is definitely, I will say it's one of those, it's for a particular customer and when the customer finds it and yes. loves it, we have the, these customers, they literally buy it once a year and I can predict it. They do it every year in the fall before uh, the holiday parties and entertainment season and the theater is going. And um, so they come back every year um, and, and buy their new bottle for the season. Um, so that one definitely has a, a it's not for everyone because it is probably, you know, it's, it's rich. It's rich. Um, but if that's, um, but for the customer who it's for, they just absolutely come back over and over again for it. So, you know, as we, I know Elsie wants to talk, but before she does, I just want to say real, real, some, real quickly, well, something about this one, because it's, in, it's within the scope of my three favorites from the brand right now. And I do have okay. to revisit that Violet. I have to go back to, to the other ones, but 
these three that we're going to, as you go down the line, I want to give my little two cents. And and this grand affair, just the name itself caught my attention. I had to try it. And then upon trying it, I think I, I described this to, to LC. I get like a modernized version and better uh, for lack of a better word than Chanel number no. five. It's got some Chanel number no. five ask vibes to it, but it goes into a different direction. That's much broader, much more, uh, you know, inclusive and universal, and it's very classy. Uh, the, the 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 description, the, the the vivid word that comes. It's a very classy scent, very warm. It just envelops you like a perfect suede leather jacket. I love it. I love this one. I really. Well, do. thank you. I do think too. One more thing about the it's the Divana, right? That the it really can play out differently on different skin. Um, so I always, with this one, encourage people to try it before you buy, because um, it really, having smelled it on a number of family and friends, it really can uh, play with different chemistry differently. So, And it's, and it's even, I mean, we, we, we try to give this impression with all of the fragrances, but this grand affair, maybe the most, it just grows. Every time you smell it, it you, you want to smell it again. It's not, this is fantastic. And then you put it aside, you, you keep, it grows with you a little bit. And, and I think part of that, so the, the heart of that, I mean, there's rose, there's Rosa Demacena in there, but there's also lavender, you know, and, and some other elements that I think kind of give it a little bit more balance um, and a little bit more complexity. It oscillates yeah. in the middle for sure. Absolutely. And lavender is something that's in my, my, my three favorite notes of all time. It's it's oak moss, lavender, and, and vetiver. So if there's those pre predominant notes in the fragrance, most likely I will enjoy them. Go ahead, Elsie. Uh, I know you're dying to, to, to say something. Oh, I, I, was, I was actively listening. <laughs> so we're, we're good. Well, so, so some, I, I actually have a, a, a bottle of distill. It's, it's, I think it's about 20% in alcohol, but it's Haitian vetiver on my desk. I love it so much that I just, I open that bottle and daily I smell that. So I, 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 so I'm going to pop on in that. on vetiver. I'm going to pop in a bit of history here, but the early uh, American perfumers actually attempted to grow vetiver in Florida. Um, that was they were, of course, again, getting materials and dealing with tariffs and all these interesting issues that are more business related. So I won't go in, into a lot of detail, but they decided, you know, they needed to try to grow some ingredients here. And, and vetiver was one. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It yeah. would have been fun to be able to visit uh, vetiver fields. I would love to. Vetiver has such a spiritual essence to it. I mean, it's it's one of those notes. I think it's my favorite, you know, within the three. It's just transcendental. It's very spiritual. It just calms me down. And I, I just love that. It makes me feel confident. I just love the note. Yep. Love it. Well, yeah. We'll bring it to uh, Scent Explorer and see yeah. if we can snag yeah. you so you can smell it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the next one in the Emma series is in every season. Um, and, and that we wanted, it's a summer fragrance. It's al fresco. It's white linen. Uh, it, it's, it's fresh. It's clean. Um, and, and, you know, so, so the ingredients wouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, Lang Lang star, uh, Jasmine, which is a little bit different than regular, uh, sort of what people think of as Jasmine. Um, there's also grapefruit in there. I, I, I do like grapefruit, um, <laughs> red Mandarin and bergamot and it's just clean, fresh. It's just, um, so it's just a little bit more pure in its concept. So, yeah. 
one of those very bright, uplifting, uh, inspiring kind of fragrances. Great for this time of the year. I'd say spring and summer, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're definitely um, seeing a lot right now go out. A lot of people mention, you, uh, you know, wearing it either to weddings or for weddings. So I think it's a good, it's a good wedding, outdoor wedding scent, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I agree. But that so level of we... vetiver takes us, I think, into Kashishko, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, Kashisko is 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 amazing. Actually, the 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 perfumer for Kashisko has since retired. Um, Duff Scott and and I, I so I, I love that. I think this may have been one of his final fine fragrance projects, and he just did a fantastic job. And you know, it was sort of a career of experience along with just these amazing ingredients that. Berger can provide, um, and and you know, orange bitters, Siberian fir. I really get the Siberian fir because I feel like it's a very green fragrance. Um, so I really get that. But you combine that with cognac and yeah, uh, and 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 some you know some tobacco and and as we call it gunpowder um, accord. It, it just it just settles nicely. And then also there's vetiver in in that one. Uh, yes. Um, and Texas cedar and Texas cedar is amazing too. We use Texas and Virginia cedar, but this has Texas cedar and, and it's just, it, it, it grows on you. You know, like we were talking about with this grand affair, Kosciusko grows on you and you really have to live with it for a while. It's not something that you can sort of spray linear and, and be done. You have to experience it. Um, so according to our young guys, um, the, um, the, according to them, they feel like Kashishko is uh, a certain day calls for Kashishko. Like it goes with a certain something in the air, like the weather in the yeah. So I think um, you know they view it as kind of like cool, crisp days. Maybe a little fog rolls in, you know that kind of thing. So um, wet grass yeah. in the morning and a cool morning and yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is a very, very special creation. I mean, it had me at hello, and and from everything from the brand thus far, it is my favorite. Uh, oh, well, I might even you. be wearing this at Scent Explore one of the days. Um, it's got all the wow notes. I mean, the cognac, the tobacco, the vetiver, the cedar. I mean, it, it just blends to perfection to make this very special concoction. Um, you know, it's sad to to know that the gentleman that created this has retired, but he has created something special that... Those that watch my channel or follow me for the last decade will know that when I say a fragrance is wow, they can trust me. And and, and this is a wow fragrance for sure. And I'm awesome. happy to have it. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. And yeah, also on awesome. the tobacco in that one, Tyler, I, um, the other thing to note, we do it's not. Green tobacco, yeah. yeah, it's it was distilled from the green leaves, not dried tobacco leaves, which I think is used a lot more in fragrance. And so I think that also helps add to the the rich green, the bright Chris greenness green. yeah. of, of the fragrance. And also we do not um, add colorant to any of our fragrances. So what you see in Kosciuszko, that incredible color. And I think Elsie agrees, like she loves to photograph this one um, because the color is just, it's so beautiful, but that is all, that is all, the, all the natural. natural yeah. yeah, It's almost like an, a glowing green. It's like yeah. an iridescent green. Yeah. 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 It's a very photogenic bottle, and the color does add to that value so much. I mean, 
hundred percent. The, the caps, by the way, you guys can't see this because obviously this is a podcast, but the caps are a beautiful work of art. They have designs within the cap and they're heavy. They're metal. It's this brushed metal. Again, work of art. And I love that they pay homage to, we talked about that what paved the way with John Blocky and, and what the brand became. I do get this vintage elegance with this brand, which I love. I think heritage, uh, you know, quality that, that transcends time is within this brand. So I do highly recommend you guys. By the way, is there a discovery kit that people can get if they want to yes. get into the brand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do discovery set and, and that includes all now it's including all nine fragrances because we have a new one um, coming out that's really just stalled because of uh, issues with label manufacturing, but I won't go into too much detail there. But um, the uh, very frustrating, but it just happens. So uh, we've got the samples ready to go, though, and they're in the discovery set. And then when you buy a discovery set from us directly online, then you also get a code to get that money off of a full size. So right now the discovery sets are $45 for the nine fragrances. And then you get 45, a code for 45 off of a 50 ml. I love when brands do that. That's so generous. And it does, I think, you know, gives the incentive, the extra incentive. Hey, listen, you're not throwing your money away. You're going to try these when you love one of them. Guess what? Put towards the bottle that you love. And and there you have it. I love that. It's such a beautiful thing. Now, let's continue. So from Kashishku, unless you guys have anything else to add. By the way, I get a nuttiness with this fragrance as well. I don't know if you guys perceive that. I get like a beautiful nuttiness as the fragrance dries down on my skin, which is very uh, particular to this fragrance. Yeah, and I think that's a combination of the elements. There's there's not a there's not one ingredient uh, that does that. So it, it's 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 the combination. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a combination of the 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 vetiver and the cedar, or yeah. I think the green. The, oh, yeah. sorry. That's the no. joy of complex. <clears throat> I mean, I well all fragrances, fragrances are are great, well and I love fragrances. minimalist fragrances too. And yeah. maybe someday we'll have a whole line of those, but. I think the beauty and complexity, if you can take the time with them, is that they really do grow on you. Like you say, like the more you smell it, the more you notice different things. Like all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute. Now am I detecting a nuttiness in here? Like, I think there's always something kind of new to discover. Um, And that was one approach as a brand. You know, we were kind of rediscovering this history. And so we wanted our customers to share in that sense of discovery. And so I think all of our packaging, like you mentioned the cap, well, that's a custom design. And I'm just gonna throw out a teaser that every image, every shape in there is a code. It's a symbol um, that was intentionally put there that ties to something either in the past or present of the brand. Um, So there's a lot of, of, there's a lot of things to discover and we really wanted our customers to feel that same joy that we feel. There's um, a lot of intention, a lot of purpose, a lot of meaning. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, and that there's a the more direct tie, if I can, because several of the fragrances in the heritage collection do share names with the originals. So right. if we we're going to move through those. I, I think about Esprit de More, but I'm slightly biased. I, yeah. I do what love goes, that one. What goes into, I mean, Tyler, what goes into Esprit de More is also remarkable. Yeah, it is. And I actually love hearing you talk about Esprit de More. <laughs> you want to give some more? Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, the More the, of the Heritage Collection, I think, if you are <laughs> beginning to explore niche fragrance and you find that this is like your sort of next step up, the Heritage Collection is what really welcomes you. Esprit de More is a very accessible, light, uh, almost white floral musk 
that brings out a really gorgeous sweetness uh, on most people's skin. It's like you naturally walk around smelling like, it, to me, I, everything I think about is in terms of movies. This is my Princess Bride fragrance, um, <laughs> which, you know, and, and, and in any direction. Um, and that vein continues with sweetness into what became more of the TikTok darling with Sanrovia, which smells like a London fog. Um, yeah, they right. both are yeah, very different fragrances. But I think in Esprit de More, we wanted to keep, like you said, kind of the musk and the skin scent because the history there. And again, sometimes this, this is hard because it's a lot. We are a lot to digest. And so it's always trying to sprinkle in enough history that people are interested, but not, you know, make them feel like they're listening to or reading an encyclopedia, right? Yeah. So, but Esprit More was, it started out as a fragrance um, in the early 1900s, or no, in the 1920s, that had, according to the ads, 27 different floral ingredients. I, wow, I'm just saying big, right? Probably, but I don't, we don't know. Um, we don't have that one. Um, and then it, it turned into an entire line of toiletries. Um, and there were, I think we said 87 different toiletries in the Esprit de More line. There was a, a cosmetology school that taught the Esprit de More way of skincare. And so, yeah, that, trying to make this kind of a little bit of a skin scent was intentional because it ties to all that history with the hygienic toiletries or cosmetics as well. Well, and, and Elsie's... Uh, mention of a hint of sweetness. Um, so Esprit de More, the spirit of love. We wanted sweetness, but we didn't we didn't want to go with a, a a big sweetness. It needed to be something subtle, something close to the skin. And so that's that's where we landed. And and I get a little of the the tonka and the sandalwood I think pulls pulls down into the base and gives that sweetness. Um, or, or at least some of it, and it helps with the with the with the floral heart notes. Um, but it's just a hint of sweetness. It's not overpowering. I feel like the overuse of Tonka, not that you guys did, of course, but with, especially with designer brands, Tonka beans and vanilla, they're just overly done and syrupy sweet. And I don't like that at all. So I actually liked the, I don't know if it's prohibited, but the synthetic note of coumarin, which I think was one of the first synthetic notes created. I yes. absolutely love it. A sour prom is one of my favorites of all time. I have vintage bottles of it. It just adds that sophisticated sweetness, but it's also green and it's suave and it's smooth and, I wish if it's not prohibited, I wish brands would go back to that coumarin because I think it added such dimension and texture and volume in a very nice way to fragrances. Well, and back to um, this grand affair too, I think um, I know one critic mentioned that what they really loved about the vanilla in this grand affair was that it really, instead of being too sweet, it almost had a more barbershoppy vanilla vibe to it. Um, so that's what drew me to it. And the lavender along with that vanilla, just they, they play this beautiful dance. And, and I think that barbershop feel is, I think, what differentiates this from the aldehyde bomb that is Chanel yes. number no. five. So right. yeah. even yeah. though there is similarities, this is a much better scent for me, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. Well, and then someone I think yeah. maybe I mean, mentioned Sanrovia, right. um, which we can jump into. And Sanrovia, we had so much fun creating Sanrovia. First of all, there's some fun history to it. Um, uh, John and, and other Blocky family members spent a lot of time in Italy and Grasse and ingredient searching Monaco, and Monaco. There were some jokes about, <laughs> you know, if they didn't come home soon, somebody would have to cover their Monaco. Well, they IOUs. said they'd have to send Teddy to cover the Teddy'd have right. to send a boat. 
a tr- the troops to protect their Monaco IOUs. So right. Was and, and, a- <laughs> so he spent so and and Sanrovia. We have uh, packaging over a hundred years old. That's it's this in fact that might be uh, that was Sanrovia, and so yeah, we got very excited like about creating. And this was also it looks so good. I love that. We working with Kevin Verse Four to create a sheep, but different than a sheep, more than 21st a sheep. Twenty first century sheep yeah, is what yes. you called it. Yeah, and that and that's where we sort of went. And we really played with with uh, in an ingredient sense with American and Italian inspiration. And so, yeah, you know, we said that there's there's lemon, but there's Italian and uh, California lemon in there, and bergamot and Valencia orange, and so I mean, it is the the citrus elements are are there and are amazing um it's a fusion, it's yeah. A fusion. Yeah. yeah and then the geranium and the lavender and i mean it just all fuses together into this sort of yeah 21st century sheep that is like a london fog and that we've had people who have tried it tried it again tried it again and then said wait a minute this is entirely different and this is something that i i i love I, the dry I, down i think um, on that the dry down for me is um is well, i mean the the, bright, again, the citrus top but the yeah. dry down i really just love that one on my skin after and that's hours. the woody dry down it has a woody dry down that's the vetiver and and the cedar and sandalwood and the, you definitely get the sandalwood there too um, so, and, and we've gone light on sand. I mean, we use sandalwood quite a bit, but we've gone light on sandalwood, but, but the woods and the base just pull it all through. Um, so that's such a great topic of discussion too. uh, the fragrance transition development, cause you do have some linear fragrances in the world, but you have a lot of complex fragrances that have these great openings and incredible development and transition. And then the dry down, some people just love it's so, so like, so beautiful to digest and then, and dissect these fragrances. Cause I find myself, you know, thinking, Oh man, I wish this fragrance was more of the introduction or it was just a dry down. You know, that that's something that is something mm-hmm. that we frag heads talk about, but I love the whole experience to be honest. I think these complex fragrances i think is where it's at because it's the whole journey you know yeah and And it's tricky i mean it is tricky when you're going through mods and you're trying to work this because you'll say like well this mod i really like the top and this one i really like the base and as a lay person you think well how hard is that can you just combine that top and this base and (laughs) you you go to the perfumer and they're looking at you like that's not that's not how it works, you know. Uh, so well, that's and, how um, you know, looking through those mods and and sort of rifling through. That's how Press Club was born, right? right? Was was out of a mod. Yeah. Yes. And exactly. this is the latest. This is the latest uh, release of the company, right? Press Club. Right. Right. And we can and get that, into the one that's in development right now. We can talk about that last, which is happening. But yes, and and Press Club. I, it was a mod um, and we won't go into the entire backstory of what <laughs> it was going to be and how it was working and how, but it was a mod that, that we loved. But and I had been, aside. I had been wearing that mod for almost a year. You know, it takes a long time to get to the right point. I'd been wearing it for almost a year and, and just, I just kept going back to it. It just had the amois in there and the lebdanum and uh, it, it just, or I mean, Olban, I'm sorry, that would just it, very green elements that just pulled everything together and just maintained itself throughout the entire fragrance. But it was also kind of rich and very wearable. 
And we were sitting uh, again with our 17 year old and 20 year old. And they said, oh, my gosh, I love that. Can I can we start? So they started wearing it. So we're decanting this for our sons to take back to Chicago and different places. And so at at that point, we just revisited it. And why aren't we launching this? You guys are wearing this nonstop. There was a full cottage industry of fraternity right, brothers right. at Northwestern who all smelled like the exactly. Sprite Club. Mom. We were exactly. all trying to get yep. like, yeah, yep. Yep. yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So, and, 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 you know, we, we played with it a little bit more, but that's, that was basically it. Yeah. 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 So um, I just talked about this as one of my favorite discoveries this year. I love the way it pays homage to, I mean, I get old elements here that are combined with some modern and contemporary elements that makes this a, an incredible creation. Uh, a video that I released, I think a week ago, I talked about press club is one of the best discoveries of the year. Um, and I do wish that a lot of people try this if they love world, old world quality with refinement of, you know, the industry of what you, the best ingredients you can find today. Press club is definitely something that's going to scratch where you itch. And I love that your kids do love this and I do want to meet them. I truly hope that they can join us at Centex, but they'll have a blast. They will we are trying. They want to come. They, yes. They want to meet you and they want to come so bad. Cause like I said, they're, they're fans already of yours. And, um, but one of them does have uh, will be in finals week. So we're going to see what we can do. We've got a lot of pressure on us. Thanks to you now to like get our kids out of finals. <laughs> so I'll see. I'll see if I can get my kids to come, but they're a little older. They're a little hard to, to, to put down. I have a 24 year old daughter and a 22 year old son and, and they think yeah. that they know everything. So, yes. you know, yeah. but yeah. we'll see. Hopefully I can, yeah. I can get them to come. Yeah, that well, would be fantastic. And Max, one, one, I think my favorite story about Press Club, uh, we were in San Francisco, actually at Ministry of Scent, and Elsie was there. And I had a couple come up to me, and he's, I think, in his 20s. Oh, and great. he smelled Press Club, and he said, you know what this reminds me of? I was in London uh, at the beginning of the summer, and I was in this beautiful hotel, and there was a club, and it was down these these dark wooded hallways and as you got closer to the entrance you could hear the music and and you opened this door and it was it was the most amazing club with old books on the wall and cocktails and he said it reminds me of that night and i said that's that's it that's press club switch places like that's right a, that's a story of like can you, you want to sell this Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, but that's exactly it. That's it hit that, you know, um, I mean, even talking about our son, when they'd go into Chicago for the night or something, that's, clubs, that's yeah. the, that's yeah. the fragrance that he'd go to. And, and press club is elegant and timeless. And I think I spoke yes. to, 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 uh, to LC off camera once when I first started talking about blocky, you know, I think I was born in a, in a, in a wrong time. I wish I was born <laughs> in like the thirties and forties because I'm very drawn to like old world culture, you know, Um, and you know, when I tell people, you know, I'm going to be 50 very soon, they think I'm joking. And I have these kids that are in their mid twenties. Nah, get out of here. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I have this youthful (laughs) vibe, but you know, I'm an old soul. I like old things, you know, um, very much love to stay home, enjoy my house. I do love traveling, love cultures, but I think Blocky brings this element that I love about niche perfumery that I think it was missing. And I think I'm, I, I love that I found you guys. And I hope that you guys continue on this path of bringing back, old culture meets modern and create these very timeless, elegant, classy uh, fragrances. Cause I think that's the ethos that I get from this brand. That's, yep. that's the plan. You're that's spot on. Plan. That's, <laughs> that's spot on. Yeah. And that describes us pretty well too. Yeah, so I exactly. Think yeah. Exactly. I was one of those kids in high school, right. Bopping around in antique stores. I just loved 
that. And so it's interesting how all those things eventually come together uh, and work. So yeah, when I discovered uh, his family had a perfumery, <laughs> I, I was yeah. like, what? Well, and, and, you know, right along those lines, I mean, press club, the name press club. So, um, and this goes back to John, but John was a member of the press club and it wasn't yeah. just journalism at that time. It was, um, it, it was a love of old books and we have, um, in, and we have a couple of his old books uh, that are these amazing Dante's Inferno and hand illustrated, and hand illustrated you know. that he signed. And so all of that, we just have a love for those things. Um, and so did he. And so that's press club is sort of a, a talking, talking about legacy. It's a celebration of a legacy of, of a little bit of that old world, arts a little bit of literature appreciation of the arts and club chairs from the twenties, yeah. you know, that kind of, that kind of vibe. Yeah. And if this whole conversation is proof that I think as you find the fragrances you're meant to wear, you do find your people. You know, yes. I, know, I, I know you a, have a love of vintage yes. Max and the, the librarian in me, which is what I did for years. Yes. You know, they start talking about these books and I'm immediately looking up flights to Colorado. <laughs> you know, there's, and and oh, that love of the arts, I think, extends to the one scent I don't want to neglect, which is Saharit. Yeah, that's Absolutely. actually, just, I yeah. love Saharit's really special to me. I really love um, that one. And that one too, was a mod that had been made for another fragrance that we decided didn't fit the story. And so it sat aside and, but we just couldn't walk away from it, you know? And so it was just like that one day when I was smelling it again and I looked back through the old catalog, the list of perfume names. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is Sahara this is Sahara. Why didn't we see it first? You know, this is like a, probably a, maybe a year after the mod had been created, but you know, that's the thing. Never throw away your mods, right? Always. Yeah, well, some, you some, you will, some, you can't, but <laughs> if it piques your interest, but you're like, it's not fitting right. the story, keep it because you go back to it later and all of a sudden it makes sense. Right. Like I just, I was like, it's, it's so Sahara. This is the fragrance because um, again, like, El like Elsie mentioned, we kind of, we're focused more on legacy instead of hero worship. So Sahara is oh, named after a performer, but for us, the fragrance was always more about the bigger picture of the Belle Epoque theater and the viewer, as well as the performer and the whole back and forth there. And um, so, so, yeah. <laughs> one word for Sahara, mischievous. Yeah. I think and mischievous the fragrance is mischievous yeah. and it sort of celebrates the blockies had some mischievousness in them um and and this fragrance celebrates that and and it's it, it's light there's a little bit of sweetness in there too it's it's as as we call it you know it's sort of spun sugar and spices and if you read a history of saharit um you'll understand she was an strong, actress, strong dancer, strong-willed person. You will understand. And so it's just, and, and Sahara was also an original blocky fragrance. So we're using that name. That's an original blocky fragrance. So it's just a mischievous fragrance. And I love it for that reason. To nerd out on the history though. So she traveled um, the world. She was a high kick. She became known for the high kick. And, um, you know, she traveled the world doing these performances. Um, and actually, one of the coolest things is that one of the first uh, female um, uh, film 
producers uh, filmed her um, doing her performances. So that's really cool. But she spent some time in Chicago and that's where the blockies would have encountered her. And um, there was this, uh, the, the Germans really loved her. And so a bunch of German artists had painted her image and it was in the Art Institute and the Blockies were involved in the Art Institute. And um, so there were these paintings of her and this this um, millionaire, multimillionaire in Chicago became really obsessed with her. And he really was like over the edge obsessed. So he bought all these paintings from the Art Institute and then he eventually married her. Um, but the marriage lasted like three days. She walked because he said, you can never dance again. Wow. If Now that we're married, you know, you're mine and, and you're not going to dance anymore. And so that was that. And it was over and she <laughs> went off and left him and did her own thing. So, but they would have known they were there for the whole story and would have seen her perform, probably met her and hung out with her. Um, so, yeah. Maybe a segment is is warrant. Maybe we have the fragrance up and coming called Mis- Mischief, which leads <laughs> us to the next question. What is the next element to come from this this brand? Because I know you have something in the works. I know uh, yeah. LC seems very excited for what's to come. So can we talk about that? Yes. So yes. the next one is Brazilian Lily. And this was another... Um, this was another interesting coming together. I mean, I think one of the beautiful things of this industry is that um, it's, it's really, there's a lot of camaraderie. And by the way, from the journals I've read from the late 1800s, early 1900s, very similar, the same. so much camaraderie in the industry. And I think that's one good thing that has not changed. Um, so um, we, um, like Elsie mentioned, uh, Ministry of Scent has been one of our first stores. They've been behind us, supporting us from the very, very beginning. Um, and there was um, a, a gentleman who worked there, Mauricio, and he now has Herbcraft Perfumery. Um, so I had seen that they were um, he was they were working. He was doing a fragrance for the Red List Project, and so this was when Earth Day was coming around. And I was like, "Well, I'll make a donation to them to support them." It's important um, to us. Yeah, it was important to us. And I, you know, wanted to support something that I that he liked and, and felt was important. So we made a donation. And after we made the donation, um, the founder of that organization reached out to me and she said, Hey, you're a perfume brand. Would this is what we do? So the Red List Project is this unique organization that brings together the commercial side of the fragrance industry with the conservation side. And instead of um they decide to partner with the commercial side and then they use profits. They'll make a fragrance or either an ingredient or a perfume that smells like an endangered uh, plant inspired by it. And then, yeah, inspired by the plant, obviously not harvesting the plant. And then, um, then the profit part of the profits go to support conservation of the plant and education around the plant. And so um, again, I just started looking back at our catalog and I was like, Brazilian lily what you know they, they kept presenting us with all these flowers that we could use and I was like no well, maybe maybe I don't know and then we went I looked at the catalog and I was like wait a minute and when blocky. she says catalog it was a previous blocky fragrance right. called Brazilian lily sorry that's what I mean mm-hmm. um and so um and and John had blood not Josh John yeah, the blocky perfumery had a we had a trade office in Buenos Aires. We had a sales agent in Peru. We had a sales agent in Chile. You know, we were very active uh, in in South America, 
And so Blocky had launched Brazilian Lily, um, I think much earlier than we really realized. I think it was actually more late 1800s, but the trademark guide says 1903. Um, so um, we said, look, we've got this. They checked the plant and it's uh, actually on the endangered list in Brazil, Brazil's list, not the IUCN list, but yet, but we'll work toward that. Um, and so we said, perfect, here's our project together, our collab. So we're really excited because this one brings together old fragrance. It brings together new partner in conservation. Um, and then also, again, the Blocky family legacy, um, Louise Blocky was one of the first female conservationists. She um, was quite an activist for conservation. Um, and so we feel like this is a way to honor her legacy um, as well. So, yeah. yeah, and you can talk about the ingredients. Yeah, and and, and <laughs> Elsie it, doesn't like the fig at all. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch, that, yeah, there, that was the stunner for me. Is this beautiful, lush fig at the heart of it? But I remember uh -huh. Tyler laboring over mods because they were all different directions. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they really were. So Elsie was got out. to experience some of the early. Yeah, early mods she was out that. here as we were going through mods, and so. I think you pretty yeah, quick fun. honed in on this yep. one. Yeah, that was. There's yeah. a fig. I'm going to advocate for the fig. That's yeah, my right, foible right. as yeah. a, as a perfume lover. And yeah. and it's so amazing because the Red List Project again. Yeah, I mean it it brings attention to endangered plants and flowers, and and so the sustainability piece has always been a legacy of the Blocky Perfumery, and it's really important to us too. And so it was just a perfect partnership. Perfect partnership. Um, yeah. And then the fragrance just. It literally, I, I mean, this is an oversimplification that didn't just fall into place. Uh, there were a lot of different mods, but it just it just fits so beautifully, you know, and we call it a, a fruity floral, but not fruity in the sense of a sweet berry fruity. I mean, it's it's red currants and and the white fig and it's just an effervescent beautiful I, i'm i'm very excited about this and this is literally in the process of 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 being launched i guess maybe is the best way, way to say it <laughs> we did um, just go ahead and, and soft launch it um i literally were at the point where label manufacturers are, have presses down and there are not right. enough people to fix them so anyway it's, yeah. it's got but delayed but um anyway. <clears throat> samples are available so. yes yeah. yeah. And, and so it's really something that you have to experience. Uh, it, it, it's, it's clean, it's fresh, but it's not, it's not a, it's not a typical white fig. So Elsie, either. tell us yeah, what so, you, you're, yeah. impression. I, you're I'm wearing it today. Uh, there's, yeah. you know, Max, you mentioned earlier, this notion of having a wear time and having things progress is what Brazilian does exceptionally well in this genre of fruity florals. There's a beautifully blended, really kind of a seamless top and mid that takes us from some of these sharper fruit elements into a lush, dewy white floral. It really feels like you're standing in a greenhouse after it's rained or it's, it's a little humid and everything is warming towards your nose. And the base is a really light, balanced driftwood. So again, we trend toward those blocky, woody bases, but this one has a more marine saline element. Really easy to wear, really easy to get into. Um, if I have these lined up and I have someone come up to me who says, I like things a little brighter, a little crisper, Breezy and Lily is going to be the first one I spray for you. So it, it exists as the kind of breezy summer counterpart uh, to Press Club in its accessibility. Um, so if you were thinking of here's your blocky starter pack, it's, it's <laughs> Press Club and Brazilian Lily. So that's where we're at with it. I'm wearing it today. It's 
also quite nicely in this genre has, uh, I think, a fairly impressive longevity. I'm getting about eight hours out of it. Mm-hmm. Moderate sillage, which is perfect. So it's got the power without being too much of like an amber base bomb. Yeah, yeah, correct. And, and you know, uh, the perfumer is Michelle Bruckman, uh, and um, who is with Berger too. And we've been working with Michelle uh, quite a bit recently. And she she really understands us, uh, which takes some time, I think. Um, and and she's wonderful to work with. And and she's really got uh, a little bit of magic uh, that she can work. Um, and so she's she's the author. She spoke at the Brazilian World Lily. Perfumery Congress last year um, in Florida on uh, formulating woods. with woods. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. So there you have that driftwood base in this that just it just floats down, and it is that little bit of seaside you know, sort of combination of, I mean, there's cedar in there, but it's definitely, it's an accord. Um, and so, you, you know, you could you get, definitely get the wood, but you get that seaside, a little bit of salty, a little bit of something that just. A bit of a bad. sea breeze action going on. Absolutely. Yep. Now, when is the tentative date for this to, to launch? Because I see that you guys are hitting a couple snags here and there. Right. So is it yesterday? Safe yesterday. Okay, great. Two weeks ago. <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, so uh, samples are available and uh, 10 mLs and 50 mLs should be available in probably two weeks. I'm hoping. I'm yeah. really, really. Yeah. In the end of July. So right as right. we're hitting that right. sort of right. dog days of summer, yeah. we should have this out. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect timing. Listen, it was a pleasure. I could talk to you guys for hours on end. In fact, I hope that we do connect more often. We talked about camaraderie. We talked about affinity. Uh, just like you have a Berger with a lot of fragrance uh, perfumers and noses that you guys work with. I do feel... Uh, this very innate, uh, you know, connection with the brand. And I'm happy that we made this connection happen. I think folks will love to discover the brand. I can't wait to meet you all in person in New York. Uh, I will obviously continue the conversation with you guys off camera, but I want you to leave some parting words to the folks listening to this podcast. You know, how can they find more about Blocky? If they want to experience with the brand, they can can definitely get the discovery kits. And these are available in 50 ml only, or tell us a little bit about the, the, you know, where can they find the brand and and so forth? We have 50 ml and 10 ml. So we do have a a travel spray. And then we have, we actually right now are still, are even selling individual samples. So if you don't want the full discovery set, if you look at the line and say, I know these aren't going to be my notes um, and you want to only sample a couple, that's fine too. We're going to try to continue continue that as long as as it makes sense. Realistically. um, Realistically. Um, And um, we are in, uh, we do have a retail section of our website. So we do have a select number of stores. So you can check for that. We've kept that um, pretty low for now. Um, You know, I think the discovery sets are a great way for people to work directly with us. Um, So that's, that's where you can find us. Yeah. And I would say, um, you know, read, uh, read what we've got on the website. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's actually quite a bit of history out there, even on, on on different sites that you can find uh, some fun blocky history. So, so even some internet searching, you sort of find some interesting things and then, yeah, I mean, we really feel strongly about allowing and encouraging people to sample before they buy. And so yeah, for the time being, we've got the individual samples for sale, but the the dis- discovery set is definitely the way to go. And I'm going to have all links and details, everything blocking in the description of this podcast. So you guys can discover and, and go through the brand, of course. And then I want to thank Tammy, Elsie and, and Tyler all for being here today and making this beautiful conversation possible. Thank you all. And any parting words? 
Thank you, Max. This was a lot of fun. It was. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Stay tuned for a lot more. And of course, we hope to see what Scent Explore, which is coming up very soon, four and a half months, December 1st and 2nd, New York City or virtual. See you all soon. Take care. See you soon. See you soon. Bye.